This is episode 29 of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Today, my guests are Victoria Hutchinson and Bart Van Leven. They are both with the NFPA Research Foundation. Uh, Victoria works actually for NFPA. Uh, Bart is actually a consultant working on the ITM inspection testing and uh, data uh, project uh, for this NFPA Research Foundation. Very intriguing conversation um, and what NFPA kind of works on with the NFPA Research Foundation. Um, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a bit different than just the regular nonprofit NFPA. There's a, uh, I, I learned a lot of what the NFPA Research Foundation is doing. And then we get into the actual whole ITM and inspection testing and maintenance um, project specifically they're working on and trying to come up with a better way to gather data for fire protection systems out there, mainly in NFPA 25 and NFPA 72 for, for fire alarm and uh, sprinklers. But both have uh, rich backgrounds with fire protection and data. Uh, really, really cool to talk about that with them. So again, hope you enjoy. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, one little tidbit of information I want to uh, share with you before we get started is... Uh, the Inspect Point uh, Fire Protection Podcast is going to make a debut live at the upcoming uh, NAFED events in uh, Las Vegas and Atlantic City. So uh, Inspect Point is going to be there uh, at the trade show, at the conference, uh, being there like we normally do. But I'll also be conducting a live fire protection podcast from the expo and the conference floor at both Las Vegas and Atlantic City events. So Stay tuned for more, and uh, again, please subscribe and share. Thanks. So uh, thanks, Bart. Thanks, Victoria, for, for joining me on the Fire Protection Podcast today. And uh, I've been meaning to have you guys both on here for a while. Um, been involved with some of the data projects that, uh, that NFPA has been working on, and uh, really excited to kind of hear a little bit more with that today. So uh, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the, the the ITM and the data project that NFPA is working on. But uh, I guess let's just start with a little intros and backgrounds of, of, of where you both come from. Uh, Victoria, do you want to you want to kick it off? Sure. My name is Victoria Hutchison. I'm currently with the Fire Protection Research Foundation, which is the research affiliate of NFPA. Um, I'm a research project manager there. Um, a little bit on my background. Um, I have a bachelor's and a master's in fire protection engineering and safety technology. Um, I come with past experience um, in the fire protection engineering world doing um, design and particularly inspection testing and maintenance as as well um, as some of that background before coming to NFPA. And then here at um, the Research Foundation, I manage a lot of the projects, you know, related to NFPA 13, um, you know, active, uh, active safety systems. Uh, I've started doing a lot in the data and analytics space as well um, in some of the emerging trends and in, in technology. So, um, what we're going to talk about today is is one of those those projects that that I'm in charge of and kind of brings in my my background a little bit with um, the ITM experience as well. So definitely interesting stuff and and excited to be here. 
no no thanks thanks for uh yeah you have a wide wide background and uh uh again perfect perfect for what you're doing now so uh bart what about you yeah <clears throat> thank you uh, my name is uh, bart van leven uh from netage uh we're a dutch company um and i was introduced myself as wearing multiple hats and helmets um i'm here in the capacity of netage we're a small company specialized in smart data for smarter firefighters um, and, and have been within the industry for 25 years and focusing on the fire surface for the last 15 years almost uh, and trying to be on the edge of um, academia and engineering. So take take some of the research on, on, on data management and, and knowledge graph and graph structures and, and AI and all that and, and try to bring an engineering touch to that and then bring that to, to, the, to the fire field. Um, I'm also a, a part-time captain of the Amsterdam Fire Department, so I have uh, more than 25 years of firefighting experience in the meantime with 20 years at the Amsterdam Fire Department. Um, so that brings for me a lot of practical uh, knowledge from the field. Uh, and I hold a guest research position at the Free University of Amsterdam uh, on uh, the data, um, uh, the knowledge and media group where we look at human-centric data, human-centric AI and, and explainable AI and all, all these kinds of things. Um, I got into this project through some other work we've done uh, with the NFPA where we use the graph model um, as, a, as a means of trying to converge various different data streams into one single data stream uh, to be able to do some analytics uh, on that. Um, and that is basically what this project is about. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what I guess smart firefighting. What uh, what part of smart firefighting? I mean, there's it seems more more on the the equipment they're wearing, or just the the data when when the incidents occur and coming into a coming into a building. Well, being a, a sort of an urban firefighter myself, uh, originally we started looking, okay, how can we make sure that the um, sort of responding crews have the proper information um, and, and specifically looking at that from a situation awareness perspective. While we were going into this project and started doing this project, I started looking, oh, but, but if you have, if you look at some of the, the regulations with fire protection equipment, they actually play a role in the way we fight fires as well. Sure. Uh, and if you go from fire protection equipment and smart buildings, um, then how could we better interact with fire protection equipment? You know, wh what's the what's the future of all these technology interconnected and then being en route to a fire, actually being able to see what's going on in the building, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where the link for me is. But I have to admit the smart firefighting for me uh, has initially been specifically the, the the response operations. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've chatted with some recent companies here in the states, uh, and and doing a lot of research with it. But there's a lot of just different software platforms and solutions out there for authorities having jurisdiction. You know, HJs in the U.S. for emergency re, re, you know management response and um, I'm, I'm having first do. They're coming on the podcast. Andreas Huber, he's coming on the podcast to, to discuss their solution. But um, yeah, very topical these days. I've got a, they're coming on here soon. So a lot, a lot of fun stuff happening in uh, the data world of uh, fire, firefighting and fire protection. So 
Absolutely. So uh, again, chime in whenever, uh, either of you, but uh, so you have NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, and then there's, explain to me what the NFPA Research Foundation is. So the Research Foundation is is a separate nonprofit organization from NFPA. Um, but so our overall um, mission and vision is to essentially manage and communicate research that informs the NFPA standards and development process, um, but also is in support of the NFPA mission. So it was formed back in 1982 um, as NFPA's research affiliate. Um, and that was really, it was started um, based on the fact that they, the codes and standards process identified a gap in, in data, really. Um, they, they said, we're, we're trying to push safety forward through, through the codes and standards process, but we really need research and we need more data to start informing um, some of these decisions that, that are going into the code. So the foundation was, was started um, at that time. And really, we, we primarily facilitate research. So we have BART on the call with us today, and that's kind of exemplifies kind of our, our model. We're, pr we're a pretty small group. Uh, there's four of us at the foundation that, that manage research projects. Um, but at any one time, we almost always have about 50 different projects going on at one time. Um, so and those, you know, cover a, a cross section of, of topic areas. A lot of them support the codes and standards in some way. Um, some of them are other, you know, emerging issues just in the fire protection community, um, data, data collection, analytics, that's become a, a priority um, topic area as well. So very vast topics um, that we address. But the other thing that the foundation does, you know, for our projects is we really try to be that, that link of bringing research into practice. Um, it, all of the research is, is very applied and the idea is that it can be um, you know, directly implemented by stakeholders to help them manage the risks, to, you know, inform the codes and standards process, inform a performance-based approach to something. Um, and that additional, like, validation level, the foundation for all of our projects, we have um, a project technical panel of subject matter experts um, that review and, um, you know, help define the, the scope and the direction of the project. Uh, the technical rigor of it um, and evaluate that before it goes out. And just for the projects that we have ongoing right now, we're working with like 750 uh, external people um, wow. acro across the world um, to help with these projects. So, you know, we try to be that connection to the fire service. We try to, you know, bring in, you know, cross-section of experience to help inform these projects. So, you know, just like on this ITM study, you know, we have people with a lot of experience in, in ITM and fire protection systems and the codes and standards, but then it's also getting that data perspective as well. So a lot that's, a lot that's going on, um, a lot that, that goes out, but the ultimate goal of the foundation is, is to continue to produce research that, that helps move the industry forward. No, it's I, I I dove into it a little bit and I got it up right now. But all the projects, you know, you're working on from obviously the ITM one we'll discuss in a little bit, but just the the firefighting foam from the firefighters' mm -hmm. point of view to the the aircraft hangar protection. I know there's been a big topic. I've got a, an episode coming up soon with that. 
and I see a female firefighter PPE. That's that's very interesting too. And there's some really cool topics in here. Um, how do you, I, can you get involved with these? If like any, can anybody get involved, or is it mainly just kind of the NF, NFPA research team picking out different um, uh, experts in the industry? No, any anyone can get involved, and anyone can submit an idea. So we actually have a. Uh, project idea submission portal on our um, main page of our website, nfpa.org foundation. And that's a portal to where anyone in the world that has a research need um, that needs to be addressed can submit that to us. And it's open year round. We, we collect projects year round. We, we go out for sponsorship. Sometimes we find partners and, you know, try to do larger studies to, by getting federal grant funding. The, the mechanism in which we implement it um, is is different, but the research that we do is primarily all informed by by the industry. Um, so it's rarely something that you know just just we come up with. It's it's what we hear as needs from from the industry. I'm talking to people at conferences or people reaching out. We have research planning groups. Um, you know, we have the sprinkler, alarm, uh, electrical research planning groups. We also have property insurance research group, which is a paid research consortium who contribute a certain amount of, of funding every year to do projects that um, are of interest to the insurance industry. I just launched another one for energy storage research consortium. Yeah. yeah. Emerging technologies. So you know, a, a lot of things going on, a lot of different ways. We also send out a request to the technical committees every year. Um, and NFPA gives, you know, a small amount of money for us to conduct research to help um, fill the needs of the codes and standards process as well. So that's evaluated every year. So there's a lot of different ways that that we get the ideas, but it's it's definitely all in, all informed by by industry. And then, you know, just through our, our partnerships, we work with a lot of universities on on different grants. Like you mentioned, the um, the female firefighter PPE. It's yeah. actually a really interesting issue um, that hasn't got a lot of light. Um, that's actually posing some risks to to female female firefighters, and that's one where Florida State is the lead, but the foundation is um, supporting and trying to bring that connection um, from the fire service to that to that research team. So. A lot of different ways that people can interact with the foundation. Um, a lot of ways, you know, you can sponsor a project. We can, um, if you have a certain expertise, you can reach out to us and we can consider you for uh, technical panels for different projects. Um, or we can, you know, partner on research or you can, you know, be like BART and apply, you know, respond to an RFP and uh, do the research um, for for different projects. So that, that's cool. lots of opportunities there. So, Bart, are you only involved in the, the ITM data exchange, or are you involved in any others as well? No, currently I'm only involved in the ITM data exchange. This is the first time I work together with uh, with the Research Foundation. Um, but I, th I think uh, the, the, uh, the corporation was really nice, so I'm looking forward to do more, yeah, especially when, when it's data-related, because that is our niche, obviously. Sure, sure. I mean, there's enough there's enough with the ITM data anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, so ITM, for those that don't know the acronym, Inspection, Testing, and Maintenance, uh, Data Exchange. Um, I guess well, I guess what what is it, and then we'll get into 
why why it's why it's important but um bart i guess what what is it right what is the what's the what's the point of it um so so i'll i'll give my perspective i think victoria should fill in at some point as well um what we try to develop is is a methodology to develop a uh, data model which uh, supports the exchange of itm data um, and we are not uh, creating the ITM data model used for NFPA 25, but more a guideline on how you come to a point that you can create a data model which is exchangeable, which is ex uh, extendable, uh, and which is usable by multiple parties to, to sort of integrate all these various data streams. Um, sure. And in, instead of just um, taking a sheet of paper and draw a data model, and this is what all the data of ITM should fit into. We really looked into what are the processes of how you create an ITM uh, data model. So if you if you look at the, the the 25 and the 72 standards, which are sort of pri primarily the targets for this project, you see there is some information about data collection, but nobody has ever thought about how do you exchange this information and, and sure. how do you make sure that this can be exchanged. and that the data is reusable uh, on various levels. Um, and, and that was more of a question that came up from previous projects. And I think that is probably the point where Victoria can more explain what led up to this stage where we are right now. Yeah, I, th I think we need to provide a little bit of the context in terms of, of why we got to this point. So the foundation, we've done several projects. We've hosted several workshops on the topic of ITM data collection um, and analysis. And really, it, it originated with, with a project, I think it was back in 2012, where they really wanted to look at um, a fire pump performance. And, you know, when are we inspecting fire pumps on the right frequency? Are the, are the churn tests that we're doing weekly is that actually wearing down the pump um, more than it's than it's giving us benefit, right? So there's a lot of questions um, that they wanted to be answered. So we initiated a project where we tried to collect some some data to try to try to come to a conclusion to evaluate what the frequency is currently in the code. Is that appropriate? Should it be changed? But have you know substantiation to that through through real inspection, testing, and maintenance data. So, but, you know, in that project, we ran into challenges with, with the data collection, right? And anyone that you go to um, to get this data, it looks differently, it's collected in a different way. Everyone doesn't have, you know, all of the same information. It was a very manual process in terms of, of collecting it and being able to, to analyze it. So in that, project, we were essentially taking what we got and putting it into uh, a separate Excel file and creating our own and trying to manually compile all of this. Yeah. But to be able to make a, a, a big decision like that, a big change in the code, that process, you would never be able to get the qu the quantity of data that you needed by doing it that way. You weren't going to get the the quality of, of the information. So it really wasn't a uh, sustainable process, but that just looked primarily at, at non-flow um, pump inspections. So then a couple years later, we did another, um, we did another study that looked at, you know, can we predict when a pump is going to fail? 
Well, there's algorithms and, and things to be able to do that. And we, you know, developed what it would be if you had the data to support it. But again, the biggest challenge was the data and the fact that it was not in a consistent format. It couldn't be analyzed or exchanged. Um, so that kind of brought us to this current need is, you know, everyone wanted, everyone wants the analytics, everyone wants the data to inform the standard or to inform their own practices. You know, there's, there's large corporations or facilities that, you know, they spend a lot of money, a lot of time um, conducting these activities. And a lot of times the, the data from their own facilities around the world is disparate. So they can't even com compile it, you know, to do a performance-based program for their own facility. So that, that was one of the requests as well. So, you know, instead of going on to another phase, there's a lot of, you know, push, continue to do more. This is a problem that, this is something that we really want to do. Um, this is something that we want to move forward on to get that analytics. Um, but we kind of had to take a step back because we said, okay, well, the the typical process that, that we've used is is not going to work in this case. So we, we have to take a step back and address what the what the problem is. Um, so that's that's how we came up with this concept of developing a data model to basically get us on the same page of um, you know terminology for the data, what the what the data means, how it's connected, what the relationships are between it, what you know a format should be. And again, you know what we're doing here is we wanted to you know try to see samples of of data out there. How could we you know transform that? And also, you know, kind of understand so we can provide some some best practices um, in terms of terminology and and format um, so that we can get to a point to someday we could, you know, put out a request and say, you know, this is one question that we have that we we'd like to do some research on is, um, you know, are people able to submit data um, to to research that? And that's something it's not within the scope of, of this project, but it's something that that's, you know, we've kind of hoped to be able to do that in, in the future, but to be able to do that in the future, we had to develop something that could could help us get the data on the same page. Sure, sure, sure. So I, a few things you hit there. Uh, this focused on NFPA 25 and 72, the sprinkler ITM standard, and obviously the components of fire alarm as well within 72. Now you, you mentioned the, the the fire pump study back in 2012. Is 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 that is that the reason for the fire pump no flow or churn test flipping from a, a a weekly to a monthly and then back the other way? Was that is that the cause from is, is that all from this project? I'm honestly not sure um, if that was was the reason for that. I, I believe have, it went to... from weekly, I forgot if it was diesel, or, I think it was might have been diesel or electric, I forgot what pump it was, but it went from weekly to monthly and it might have went back as well. So um, it was probably around the same time that the analysis was done, so. Um, yeah, I know that there was definitely discussion on on the report at the in the codes and standards process, but I'd have to look up to see if if that was the substantiation for the change. I'm honestly not sure. Have you been? Have either of you been to an NFPA 25 uh, committee meeting before? I have. <laughs> nope. Why do you Why do you laugh, Victoria? <laughs> oh, no reason. 
so, so with all this, I'm starting to get curious. Yeah. Oh, all right. So uh, <laughs> it's funny why every I, I bring I haven't brought that up in the podcast before, but um, I and right when uh, I was going full time with InspectPoint, I I I attended one out in Arizona, and it was it was eye opening, and of how committees work, um, and that was really the first one I went to, and there's just so many. I, hopefully, I don't get in trouble for saying this, but there's just so many different. People, experts and professionals from the industry in the room, there were so many opinions and um, and everything going into this meeting. I felt like the code couldn't move forward fast enough, and it was just like, and and I know there's there's been changes since then to to kind of you know expedite things, and you know you know what actually helped. I've been some recent NFPA twenty five committee meetings and. The virtual aspect uh, of it has helped tremendously because we can we can meet quicker or, or or meet more often, and there's not travel involved. So I I actually think the virtual uh, meeting that NFPA is kind of moving forward with is might help the whole code process uh, out. So um, yeah, I think it might also help more more guests get involved too, right? Is not having right. to travel to meetings. It allows for, for more perspectives to, to come to the table. Yeah. 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 Having been on a completely different industry on, on standardization fields, on, on data standards, I, I, I've seen that sort of the, the, the face-to-face meetings are absolutely helpful uh, and, and help you build relationships. Um, it certainly helps you don't have to travel half, halfway around the world if you just need to get stuff done. Uh, I, I think that will be something that would be interesting for the NFPA to to look at, but I'm not saying that in any capacity. I'm just saying that as a, <laughs> as a bystander, basically. Right, right, right. Um, now, it's, it's all great. So I guess what is the, uh, you kind of got into the why, why we're doing this. Um, and uh, I guess you said, what is the trouble right now? How, how long has the project been going on, Victoria? I think it started in the summer of, of 2019. Okay, so it's it's still pretty, I, for some reason, I, I, I'd heard it's been going on for a lot longer, but, um, but those were previous projects maybe with Fire Pump. Yeah, I mean, the previous projects, those were, I mean, the past couple of years, I mean, I mean, some people see this as an extension of, you know, kind of like a, a phase three of the project. I, I, I don't really see it that way. I kind of see it as not ne- not necessarily starting over, but it's a it's a different focus than than what the others were were trying to to accomplish. But yeah, it started back in um, the summer of 2019. We hit a few, you know, bumps in the road when COVID hit. You know, that was in the the time period of when we were trying to to collect data and a lot of the people we were we were trying to gather data from just you know had a lot of other priorities obviously uh, so we kind of put a pause on on things and allowed things to settle down uh, so that extended the project a little longer than we anticipated but we're we're close to wrapping up now so uh, you mentioned uh, um a pro- uh, the problem of 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 getting the data and I'm uh, I have a Six Sigma uh, background, um, 
within fire protection kind of i was i was doing it with tyco but um what you know i did a lot of projects over the years and always it was always the toughest part of the project was the the measurement phase and and grabbing the data grabbing not even analyzing the data it's grabbing the data so can you talk to that a little bit about why it's why it's been so difficult to grab the data and um you know, I can give my two cents on it as well, but uh, I'd love to hear your perspective. I'll I'll start and then I'll let Bart chime in on on his thoughts. Um, it's data data is sensitive, um, you know, and there's a lot of questions, especially, you know, in this sense, we're we're doing it for for research purposes. But anytime you're you're giving data to someone, there's all these questions of, you know. What are you going to do with it? What is your purpose? How long are you going to keep it? Um, what are you going to do with it after? Is there any way that this could, could come back and hurt me? Right. So I think there's kind of an, a natural resistance um, to giving data, especially when it's something, you know, around the activities of of ITM um, and and the fact that it's required by the by, by the code and enforced by the HJs and stuff. I think there's kind of a natural hesitation of, you know, well, what if we, what if we did something wrong, or what if there's something that we missed, and this is going to backfire on us in in some way. I think that um, is a lot of it. There's also, you know, for this project, we had a um, data sharing agreement in place. It was pretty straightforward, but we wanted to make sure that we clarified, you know, what the purpose was, um, what we were using it for, and things like that. And a lot of times it, it gets stuck, you know, in the in the legal process as well. Um, sometimes, you know, if the, it it depends also in terms of, you know, where their data sits, right? If if someone has all paper based or or PDF forms where they have to go and gather all of these to get you three years of data, yeah. um, that's a really big lift from a time perspective um, to get that. If it's you know, if you have a, a software solution and you can, you know, download it and send you over a huge Excel file, it's not so much of a lift, but that's how everyone is collecting this data, um, you know, across the country and elsewhere. It's it's very diverse um, and it's it's dependent on. It's different for for every party um, that we've talked to. And then also there's a there's another thing in terms of, you know, the ownership um discussion as well is um you know the the contractor may have it but so does so does the owner and do you have who has permission of it who has you know who has a copy of it and does everyone give permission to to share it so things get complicated there as well but i don't i don't know if bart has any other thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I, I think this is um, a fair share of the problems we ran into. But I think um, um, if, if you go even back to, to if you look at the, 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 the codes and standards, the, the 72 and the 25, um, there is some wording that it needs to be transferable or exchangeable, the results of the inspection. And there is a appendix which gives you a guideline on how to record it. Um, but nothing sort of written in stone on how it needs to be done, um, which basically means that 
even if the people were like, oh, we, we, we are willing to give it, there is no prescribed way of exchanging the information within the codes and standards. So that was something we have to had to sort of build up. So we created a, a sort of our, our own cloud instance, a sort of a Dropbox clone to to be able to receive the data. So these all these elements of the, the, the problem of getting the data um, is something we actually captured in, 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 the, in the document, in the report, and that's about FAIR. Uh, it's something you see a lot in the, in the uh, research uh, environment, which is called FAIR data, and that's about findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable data. Where findable is obviously, where can I find this information, and, and can I see who has a bit of information where I can request? specific example what Victoria said, we want to do a certain piece of research on a certain parameter in any of the standards, who has data that covers any of these parameters, that's the findable, the accessible, how do I get to this data and how do I get the right um, uh, the, the, the right credentials to be able to, to go to the data and what method do we use and nothing like that uh, is described in, in the 25 and the 72 and sure. you'll, you'll see some wording in the in the 915 and 951 on what could be the best practice, although they are more aimed at fire services, but this is more in the direction, of how do you exchange data? Mm -hmm. Then the interoperability part, it's like, okay, and what is in the data and what does it mean? And we had several calls with people who very easily were capable of giving us the data, sending us large Excel sheets, and we were looking at the Excel sheets and we were, oh my, I have no clue what this is and why are some records double and what does that mean? And then you go over with the data specialist from the from the from the people who supply the data and they were like, we have no clue either. We just have to redo the export and clean it up for you. Um, so the interoperability was really hard and we needed them to explain to us what certain things in these Excel sheets mean. And then the reusability part is uh, not so much if you're able to reuse it, and and with that I always use the example. It's like if you find the picture on the web on, on the on Google, and you say, oh, I want to use that on my website or in my presentation. Um, the reusability is not so much does this picture actually work in my presentation, but do you actually have the proper rights to use it? And, and that is obviously where the, the difficult part is, and 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 everybody knows when legal gets involved, things slow down. Um, so that is what we proposed as well within within the document. If you if you want to go and solidify this before you even go and talk about how does the data look, you need to look at the fair principles at an industry where you say, well, we have a scheme in which we can exchange data with, for example, the research foundation to do research upon, and then we got licenses in place and everything, so that every time you would like to do any of this this type of research. You do not have to go and play the game all over again. How do you want it? Where do you want it? How should it look? And what are the licenses? And what has legal to say about that? So uh, that is an an important thing that we've put in this document, which doesn't say anything about the data per se. And if we describe it in the proper way, it could be used for any data exchange in any standard within the fire industry. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the question I always go back to is, all right, you have contractors or facilities or whoever that, that have this data, right? And they have it, whether it's digital, most of it's digital these days, whether, you know, there's still a lot of pen and paper, but what what is the reason or what why would they give it to the NFPA Research Foundation? What is their, you know, 
why would they actually do that? Right. I, I know there's obviously a goal to improve the standard and all that, but at the end of the day, what, what, what's in it for them almost, you know what I mean? I think the, the groups that have the most, um, direct benefit, um, from the data is really, you know, facility owners, you know, facility managers, um, and insurers also have uh, a big interest and the primary, I think their primary objective in wanting this is being able to assess their own risk, um, and being able to do, you know, kind of weigh the, the cost versus, versus safety discussion as well. Um, cause there's, there's allowances in NFPA 25 that allow you to do a performance-based um, ITM program, uh, but you need data to be able to to be able sure. to support that. Um, so I think that you know, and then also from insurance perspective, you know, if they can if they can get data in terms of uh, you know better data in terms of like their in- inspection record and the the status of their equipment, you know, can they offer you know, premiums or, or something or reductions for, you know, what they're doing um, in terms of their, their fire protection. So I think those are, those are the groups um, that kind of have the most benefit, but that's where you also kind of, you know, hit, hit a roadblock is the, the contractors and stuff are the ones that are, that are doing um, the inspections that have a lot of this data, obviously copy is made, um, to the building owners, but sometimes you get into that discussion of, of who owns that record. You know, if it's, um, if it's held with the with the contractor, and you know they don't have, they may have a copy of it, but they may not have it in a format that that we needed like for this for this sure. project. So that's that's definitely that's definitely been a barrier um, for what for what you know this project specifically. Yeah, I, I think you know. Yeah, it's definitely the facility owner. And what about the AHJ though? Like, they have a lot of data with a lot of the uh, new methods that they're collecting, deficiency data, and all that. I, I would think there'd be a big benefit for jurisdictions um, for that as well. And I think they have ownership of of some of that data. Maybe they don't, but it honestly depends on depends on who you talk to. Um, sure. But they they do have interest in it because they're they're looking, you know, from the HA perspective. Um, I mean, I think they're really wanting to know, like, where should I prioritize, um, you know, my my focus because there's only there's only so much time and there's a lot more places that they they need to be going um, than they have time for, right? So they definitely have have an interest in this in this data. A lot of times, you know, from one of the ones that we um, we're having discussions with, you know, a lot of what they had available to them was essentially um, just a, a scanned-in PDF document, um, and that's that's difficult to to work with without, you know, having doing it manually, right? So yep. that's another one of the barriers too. But again, again, it varies per jurisdiction in terms of what what format they have their data and how, you know. Do they have it, you know, on their own servers, or is it just made accessible to them upon request? It's it's somewhat variable. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it. But you do, you know, I saw the article that came out 
Um, I Bart shared it this morning on, on LinkedIn, which I'm glad he did because I got to read it. I didn't even see it out there, uh, but it, it's very timely. It's it's I think uh, NFPA interviewed you, Victoria, of, of of this. So we'll put the we'll put the um, uh, the link in the show notes and stuff. But um, it sounds like you you were able to collect some data out there. Uh, I, I guess what did you collect? Is it NFPA 25? Is it NFPA 72? And uh, how did that go? I'll maybe let let Bart take this one. Um, it's from both. It, it depended on on who who submitted the data. But I'll let Bart take that. Yeah. So so, so we, we we got quite a substantial amount of data actually. Um, we we aimed for. Um, a lot of providers because we wanted to see how diverse the, the the types of data that are out there were and and that is something that didn't really pick up as good as we as we hoped it would um so we got four providers giving us data in in, in various formats but we saw some similarities between the formats uh, that went from a couple of thousand records to i think in total we we got in, in, the, in the demo system we created, we probably got 40,000 inspections or something, um, ranging from from um, the, the fire pumps, the sprinklers, the wet risers, to also the, the, the fire panels and everything. Um, and, and and we ran into some of the some of the issues that you we we've heard about on some of the data is is granular on different different levels. Um, some of the data has very complex cross-references where you need really a company specialist to help you make an educated guess about what it actually means. Um, some only create, uh, contain some upper level information. Some were extremely detailed up to serial numbers of things. Um, and that was predominantly from the, from the facilities who had a lot of data. And, and that was really interesting for us to work with that. Um, but you could clearly see there is no predefined structure of how the ITM data should look. Um, it went from having basically the sample forms in the NFPA document, then created in data sheets to some of this stuff that is in NXF put in data formats and then extended with what they would need for their own software. So it was it was literally all over the place. Yeah, I I I, I can imagine. I. Uh... As you know, I get you know with Inspect Point, where uh, it's it's interesting to see what uh, contractors and even facilities are doing, you know, um, currently, right, and even what they were doing before. So, um, yeah, I I can't imagine uh, what formats we're in, but forty thousand is a pretty good data set, right? Um, so, I guess what's the What's the results? What's the result of that it looks like from the article here? It says there's something being released in May. Is that is it going to be game changing? Is it just like a little tease of what could this be? Oh, what's coming out in May will um, be the be the report for the project, kind of documenting what was done. Um, we're still having discussions. I mean, Bart has developed a a full you know functional data model um, in terms of how we're going to release that we're still trying to, to to figure out exactly what that looks like um how we want to carry the the project forward is is there you know kind of an analysis step that that we can take um based off of this so that's that's kind of 
the next step. There will be some some guidance in that report, though, that that hopefully the the committee can use primarily in terms of um, you know the the structure and and how the the data could look as kind of a recommendation. But Bart, do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Um, yeah, I, I think one of the aims of the project was not to create a data repository. That is some some of the discussions we've had with externals as well. It's like, oh, you're going to collect all this data and then publish that or do something with that. That was not the intention. The intention of collecting the data was, are we able to have a diverse set of data and then use the data model we create to, to create a uniform, um, sort of a uniform looking set of data out of the various providers. And that was something we were capable of doing and we, we, we could demonstrate that. And on top of that, you will end up with people doing analysis, but we were we will only be sort of facilitating the ability to do that. Um, and obviously giving some guidance, if you want to put this into the codes and standards, then how it should be done and, and what you should look at. Um, because we, we've noticed that there was not really a structure in how the, the proposed data exports were formatted and some of the best practices out there in the world were not used. So we collected them. It's like, if you want to create a data standard, look at what has been done, take that into account. And on top of that, create something that fits 25. So it's not that we've created the data model for 25 now. Um, I think that is an important thing to say because we had some feedback that people were thinking that this was it. And this is merely a start. Yeah. Am I missing anything, Victoria, in th in this? No, uh, I think that that pretty much covers it. Um, but in terms of what we're we're providing is we're trying to provide guidance in terms of, you know, getting a standardized export. Right? Is we know that there's there's a lot of vendors out there, and you know, I think that's it's really great for for the industry as as a whole. But what we're hoping to try to get people on the same page on is, you know, can we get on the same page in terms of how we export this data um, that would, you know, basically allow us to to do analysis in the future. That's that's kind of the, the ultimate goal. So again, you know, what we've developed is based on the data that that we've received. So it's a it's definitely a a good a good starting point for sure. And it's something that the, the committee can consider. Is, is it um you know, the, in the annex of NFPA 25 right now, they have, you know, re a recommended data set. W do you think that'll be altered or some sort of, do you think the, do you think NFPA 25 20, 2023 edition will take into account some of this coming out in May? I'll defer to you, Bart, do you, in terms of how you think, you know, what's in the annex could potentially change? Um, I, I think it should, if it's going to happen, that's not up to me. That's up to the committee. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think, I think some of, some of the, the way that data is, is recorded uh, and, and, and a try has been made before, but that should definitely follow more of the guidelines and, and look at what we've done in this project. Um, but like I said, I, th I think it should, I think it, it would be a smart thing to do, but then I'm not, uh, the one who's who's able oh, to yeah. mandate that I can, I can I only make the advice basically. Sure, sure. sure. Um. Uh. So if if 
listeners out there or contractors or facilities and AHJs even that are listening to this, if 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 they want to get involved in this and be a part of this project, is there is there a way for them to do that? Absolutely. I would say to to contact me, you know, directly. Um, we're still, you know, considering this at, at NFPA in terms of, um, you know, how we can potentially continue this or, or carry it forward to a, to a next step. So um, anyone that that's interested, I, I would recommend, you know, reaching out to me and can we can provide my my email and, and get in touch um, in terms of, of how people can can participate going forward. Again, this this project is is coming to a close. So in so in terms of the involvement on on this project, um, we're we're kind of wrapping that up. But we do expect to to move forward, and um, that that direction is, is kind of being defined now. Nice, nice, nice. You know, uh, this whole conversation. You, you know, the word data. If it, if anybody is if there's a drinking game uh, being conducted. We said data probably about 150 times, so you know you're quite a must have quite a, a good buzz by now. So <laughs> anyway, um, well, thanks for you know, uh, I thanks for kind of summarizing a lot of this. I, I, again, we could probably talk another hour on it, but um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens once that's released in in a month here. And uh, yeah, very excited to see how that will be brought into the code and just the reaction to the committee of uh, what it looks like, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. So before we get out of here, I do something called uh, the quick response round to try to keep it light. We have a, you know, data is always a, um, a dry topic sometimes, but uh, so I've got a few quick response questions. Don't need much of an answer, but uh, I try to make fun with it. So, uh, um, Victoria, so where where did you like living in Worcester or Stillwater better? Uh, probably Stillwater. Yeah. Any reason? Uh, better Weather. sports. <laughs> Better sports. All right. Yeah, There's I agree. And not as cold. And not as cold. Yeah, WPI's, you know, sports, you know, they're, I went to RPI, so we beat them all the time. So they didn't really <laughs> have a good uh, sports program. Yeah, coming from a big golf school, it was, uh, the sports there were a, were a little bit of a letdown. Great school, uh, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, both big and fire protection. Uh, Bart, um, I'm a, you know, I went to school for industrial engineering at Six Sigma Black Belt within Tyco. What <laughs> nerd question here? What's your favorite style of statistical analysis? Or oh type, boy. sorry. That is completely outside my field, statistical analysis. That's not what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at data sets and 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 had uh, had a favorite. My mine's always chi squared, so uh, everybody can laugh at me in the pod, podcast. But that was always my favorite. <laughs> I, I would refer this to to, to to Nikki, my data scientist. He is a, he's the one who's doing all that stuff for us. <laughs> I uh, I uh, I used to work with I used to work at Viking, and um, I'm gonna give him a shout out, uh, uh, Jeff Norton, who may have reached out to to you, Victoria, at some point. He he was with Vic, mm -hmm. you know Viking and fire protection for for a long time, and he just started his own uh, data science company, 
um, which is really intriguing. He went from, you know, essentially running VP of marketing and, and a lot of different roles at Viking. And now he's, you know, he went into data science and uh, he's loving it. But uh, I don't know if I could deal with it every day, you know, so. Yeah, you can definitely get into the weeds. <laughs> uh, Victoria, what was what was your favorite uh, style of clean agent or uh, suppression uh, style when you when you had to do that? Um, I actually enjoyed designing like Novec twelve thirty systems, um, and and sprinkler systems as as well. Uh, you know, I I come from kind of my my family's in the fire protection business. So, uh, you know, before I was even in high school, my grandfather was teaching me sprinkler design. So that's that's always been you know kind of, kind of special to me that you know even when I was going into school, I'd you know, like people always joke that I was, was raised reading, you know, NFPA 13 bedtime stories, but oh, <laughs> it, wasn't man. Quite, it wasn't quite that dry. Um, but I think, you know, I, I did sprinklers for longer. Um, so when I started doing clean agent, that was, that was something a little new. Um, I just, I found it, found it interesting. I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen, you know, the road show, the, the first time that I saw, you know, Novak and, and you can, you know, throw your phone in it and catches your your attention, right? So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, but I enjoyed both, honestly. Um, the and that's I think the joy of the fire protection industry, right? Is there's lots of di different challenges you face, and the the solutions always always different. So, I don't know that I have a have a favorite, but I think um, being presented with something new was was interesting to me at the time. Yeah, I, I went to when I worked for Tyco uh, Ansel. I I was at one of their clean agent uh, demonstrations, and they actually let us go in the room when uh, you know after uh, Novec twelve thirty went off. And mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't do that today, uh, <laughs> you know. But I, I, yeah. it's kind of crazy that let let us do it. But it, it 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 weirdly enough, it changes your vocal cords, and it it gives you instead of a high pitch like helium, it gave you a very very deep voice um oh wow yeah kind of a funny story so very yeah, I, never, I never got to go in the room after i just i, I wouldn't i would you know with all the chemical stuff i don't know i, I would yeah. never do that again but <laughs> I was so bart what's the favorite part what's your favorite part of being yeah you're still a firefighter what's what's the what's your favorite part of you know day-to-day -day firefighting um the 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 unexpected part of it um, um and, and especially uh in in a in a in a big city like amsterdam although it's not a metropole but it's still um a large city um so yeah you never know what you run into and i, I in one of my presentations uh, i i re referred to that uh, my mentor when i joined this fire service says you will never have fire at normal people and my response was we have 170 nationalities every major religion is in our city being actively practiced, every sexual preferences and all the fetishes that come with it is being practiced in our city, and all the drugs that mankind ever conceived are at right. least being consumed in our city. So, yeah. what is normal? That's so that. yeah, I've, that is really, uh, and, and we run in in into all the problems that these people run into. So that makes it yeah, I, I got some great offline stories to tell. 
Yeah, I'd love to hear season. some sometime. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're not suitable for podcasts. Trust me, but it oh makes my, it I, really... yeah, my my podcast listeners, come on, you can you can toss anything. On. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this th- this has been fun, you too. Uh, again, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, I'll put a lot of show notes in here, so. I guess where where can we find you? I know you mentioned you, you know your email, Victoria, and how how can more people get involved and 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 contact the Research Foundation and and, and you as well, Bart? Yeah, so I would say in terms of getting in contact with the with the Research Foundation, I can you know provide my email for you to to put in the notes. There's also a email that can get to us, foundation at nfpa.org. Um, if you have a research request, we have a, a, a portal for that. Um, you can also find me on, on LinkedIn. I can be reached in a, in a lot of ways, but um, definitely looking forward to, to carrying this forward and not just this topic, but, but other you know, issues that are important to the industry. Yes, yeah, same goes for me. Um, people can read me, reach me at Bart at uh, netedge.nl. I have a LinkedIn profile, although my name in, in in the Netherlands is not really unique, so it might be tough to search. I, I think it should be in the comments or the, the notes of the podcast. And, yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely toss it in there. Company's webpage, there you can find what we're doing. So uh, there's plenty of reasons. Oh, and my Twitter handle is Semantic Fire, which is a sort of a mix between uh uh firefighter pictures and and data ramblings um and i try to do most of it in english uh, sometimes my frustrations are out of in dutch so that you don't have to bother about it <laughs> oh that's great well again thanks again and um yeah looking forward to seeing some of the results from this great. excellent thanks, thanks for having me this has been episode 29 of the fire protection podcast powered by inspect point I'm really glad to have Victoria and Bart on the podcast today to discuss more about the Research Foundation. So appreciate them for coming on and hopefully we hear more about what they have, uh, of what their results are in May. So um, again, we're going to be releasing this in April, so it should be pretty timely. So again, thanks for everybody and please like and subscribe. Take care.